0: Welcome to the Tamron Learning Podcast, where host Dr. Kirby Ross Plock speaks with experts on many topics relevant in the ultra high net worth family wealth management space. Kirby is author of several books, including The Complete Family Office Handbook, and shares her expertise consulting with families and family offices. Kirby is also the founder of Tamarin Learning, an online wealth education platform that develops practical foundational learning programs for beneficiaries to help them prepare for responsible stewardship of wealth.
1: Welcome to the Tamarin Learning Podcast. My name is Kirby Rossblock. I'm your host today. And today we're talking about ethical wills and legacy of values. So I'm so happy to have with me today Iris Wagner. She is the founder, president, and CEO of Memoirs Productions. And she's a longtime dear friend who has done some incredible work in the family wealth space to help families bridge continuity and to capture their values and their stories and their significant life events in a way that gives me goosebumps. Um, because she's just an amazing visionary in this space. And so a little bit more about Iris, you know, when she was a young girl, she had a passion for connecting with others. And as a gift to her family, she would make homemade, like Hallmark type cards um, that just captured people and their spirit and everything about them. And that is just a great little tidbit about Iris and how she really, understood the importance of deep human connection, feeling heard, being seen, being understood, and finding ways to connect really deeply with others. She translated this, okay, into her passion for creating video ethical wills and high quality production um, films for individuals that helps to capture their life stories, lessons learned, Um, And just really inspiring stories that are move the needle transformative, Uh, the kind that make uh, a next generation of a family or a community really deeply understand somebody's life, what their contribution was, what was important. So I'm thrilled to have Iris here today because she's even transformed herself in her practice um, recently as we've lived under these incredible... Um, scary times of COVID. And not that she doesn't keep providing broadcast quality uh, films to her clients, but she's also helped turn over a new leaf and um, kind of elicited the super uh, Zoom ninjas of the world to realize that we can do this actually locally um, at home from our dining room tables, um, our home desks, and we can create some incredible pieces as well. So we'll, we'll get into that more. But with that, welcome, Iris. Thank
0: you so much, Kirby. I'm so thrilled to be here. And um, I want to just start off by saying a little story, perhaps, starting off. Um, I just had a call a recent while ago, first thing in the morning from a roughly 50-year-old daughter of a client that we filmed who um, his her father who's now passed was a reformed alcoholic 27-year alcoholic and he overcame and managed to run a very very successful real estate business family business she called me in tears in the morning to say that at midnight the night before she was heading to bed and she heard tears coming from her son's room her son who was actually plagued with a cocaine addiction, 17 years old and starting with a cocaine addiction. And she just said that she cracked the door open a peep and he looked at her with tears in his eyes. In front of him on his screen was his grandpa telling him about how he got over alcoholism. And it just, he looked at his mom and he just said, help me, please help me. I wanna get over it like grandpa did. So that's why I'm in this business. That's why I do it. To get those kinds of experiences, those transformations within generations of families, it really is quite powerful.
1: Well, that's, I mean, you're making me cry. I know that was hitting at your heartstrings as well. And I think, you know, that's what's so powerful. And maybe people don't understand, you know, what exactly is an ethical will and how did those um, moments that you just described, how do they factor in? I mean, an ethical will might sound formal and you know at a distance, but what you just shared is so real, so palpable. So maybe you can help us, you know, navigate the two. Sure.
0: In this case, there, the interesting part of the story is that there is a world of resources out there for this 17-year-old. He could have gone to numerous places. But instead, he turned to family, his grandfather's story that was inspiring and was recorded. And of course, unfortunately, he could no longer communicate with the grandfather. But those kinds of values and stories that are communicated are make up the parts of the ethical will. It just makes you think, where would this kid be? Mm -hmm. So it's never too early to start an ethical will. I have someone that has worked with us uh, who was 41 years ago. It was right after the World Trade Towers fell. And he was 38 or 39 when it happened. And he had two best friends working in those towers that, were, that perished, who had young children like him. And he looked at me and said, I could never forgive myself with a seven-year-old, a five-year-old and a two-year-old at home to not record my values and my beliefs and what I've, what I've learned in my life so that they would know me. And he started at 41 and updated it since then. Of course, it's years later, but it's just, it's never too early.
1: And tell us, what do you think, what goes into an ethical will? What are the kinds of things, what, help me get a picture because I'm hearing you say you're crafting these ethical wills through film and story, but how would you define them?
0: It comes from storytelling of one's life. One can find the values, the beliefs the lessons learned especially the wisdom that they accumulated that they can share with loved ones and we just help them craft it i'm sort of trained to hold a mirror up when someone tells me their story and just say is this what you mean is this an important value you hold is this something that you've had as a challenge that you've that you've overcome come that you've overcome in your life and so it, it's, it's a matter of doing the deep reflection of how you've lived your life. And most people live their life authentically. And I'm there to just bring out that authentic person.
1: Well, and it also sounds like you're creating a record, right? I mean, I think one of the hardest things is um, our memories sort of fade and our accounts get a little fuzzy of what actually happened. But to give voice to someone's story From their actual voice. It's incredibly powerful. And, you know, I, I think about how you link ethical will to say your values, even if we go back to your first story about the grandfather's addiction and overcoming it, there's a value, there's a whole set of values, right? Associated that he's conveying now to his grandson. Maybe you can help us sort of, again, connect the dots between how values get sort of, Um, emphasized through the different stories
0: for since the dawn of time there have been fireside chats our ancestors have always passed on their wisdom and their values and their stories you know through all types of of um, of cultures it's happened recently i worked with a fortune 100 family where there were five sisters who looked at me, they were all ranging in age from 40 to 50 years of age, and they looked at me and said, I asked them, what would you like to learn about your dad or mom, but particularly their dad, that you don't know? And they said to me, we don't really understand whatever happened to dad during the war years. He served in 1940s in World War II, and we just don't have any, he will never talk about it as soon as any of us ask, could you please unpack that for us? So of course we go through our process and looking at his life review. And when we get to the part in his military service, he does open up, he does realize this is the time. And he tells that he was an admiral in the Navy off the coast of Japan, and he had to order his troops to kill hundreds of Japanese. And he said, from that moment on, he changed. His whole life changed. His whole demeanor changed. And he became a very passive man, a very, very peaceful man, and a very quiet man. And that's the man that they grew up knowing, obviously. So when they learned this, it brought such a connection between their understanding of how they were raised and who they were raised by and who he really was and what kind of torment he kept through his life. It brought them so much closer together. It actually allowed them to move into much newer relationships all the way around, all five daughters, which was really special. But it's not just Kirby about capturing those stories and some of the lessons learned and the wisdom and the values. It is also about capturing the times. I've worked with a man who, when we did the premiere in a private screening room for his family, there were 26, we hired a screening room to premiere his movie. Right after the movie, his eight-year-old grandson comes running out and says, Grandpa, Grandpa, how come when you were eight and you and your friend fell in the stream behind your farmhouse that you didn't use your cell phone to call your mom to help rescue him? So his grandpa winked at me and looked and said, uh, this was 1936. There were no cell phones. We didn't even have a landline. And you know, we had a party line and it, I had to run to save his life. I mean, that child is an internet native, not an immigrant like we are. That child is a cellular native. We didn't grow up with cell phones, right, Kirby? So it's a whole new thing that you have to communicate to allow the next generations to understand you know, the technology and the and the life and the times that people grew up in. So that's really important. The other option that people have is it's easy to find the values when you're sitting around the Thanksgiving table. And I'm always one to blog about this and remind my clients, don't forget when you're all around Thanksgiving, put an iPhone down, put any kind of recording device and start asking the elder in the room about their life and their times. In, the, in those days, because those are little precious recordings. You don't need me on Zoom or, or with a full
1: crew to record it. It can be done oneself at home. Yeah, I think that's um, something I've really appreciated by, about you is how accessible you're making this process to different individuals who either wanna make it sort of a capstone of their life and wherever they are age-wise, um, and maybe can afford and want to do a premiere, but then also making it accessible um, to those that maybe don't have the means to, or quite honestly don't want to spend the expense and the time, um, because I think it's, it's, it's a yes and. It's, it's about the outcome of what you create, but it's also what I'm hearing you say is the experience, right? The powerful experience that occurs through the process Um, That can open people's eyes. One quick story. I know I didn't preface this in our preparation, but I talked to somebody recently who was cleaning out his mother's house and he had put it off for five years after her death and was just, you know, it was too emotional, too sad. But he said once he got in her house and this was someone who, um, you know, first generation was in Germany, second generation came to the United States and his mother was um, lived, survived World War II. But we found out um, as he went through his house that she actually was working for the allies during World War II. And as he was unpacking and decluttering her house, she had stashed all of these sort of things related to her past that she was afraid even when she came to the U.S. Um, for anyone to discover about how she was actually working as an informant. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, had she had the opportunity to unpack that part of her life that she kept so quiet, so private, so personal, because it was obviously traumatic, right? But it was obviously a major defining moment in her life to to make a decision to say, hey, wait a minute, I'm going to you know, I'm, I'm German, but I'm going to work for the other side. And I thought, wow, what a powerful um, gift that could have been. And just how important these messages are, you know, to, to, to give voice and to, to share from the person. I know personally, you've had the opportunity to do some of this work. I mean, tell us what you've experienced. I'd love to hear more too. Well, you hit the nail
0: on the head, Kirby, as you always do, you brilliant woman, you um, <laughs> that defining moments is where we begin. And so we like to unpack this with looking at milestones, highlights, triumphs and challenges throughout everyone's life. And once you unpack those, all those things come out. Um, I had a case once where, um, again, it was a daughter who came to me who said, when you're on camera with my dad, could you find out why our family foundation gives $150,000 each year to juvenile diabetes? Because no one in the family has it—no one that I know of. None of our, none of my nieces, nephews, kids. Nobody. So there we were on camera, and I say, "I understand you're quite philanthropic, JD." And he turns to me, the stoic man, tears in his eyes, saying. When I was three in 1934, my mother lost my older brother to juvenile mm-hmm. diabetes. I never met him because I was three. He was born in 1931. And from that moment, my mother changed. As I was told, when, she was sev- when I was 17, he said she died of heart problems. Her sister said that her heart was never the same after she lost her first son, she was never the same woman. So at that age, he vowed to give a certain percentage of his income every year to juvenile diabetes in honor of his, his mother, I'm going to get far clamped again, <laughs> in honor of his mother, so that another mother might not have to suffer what she did. And he built an amazing huge multinational business, and they give now millions of dollars to juvenile diabetes. And because once the family heard it, the daughter and the sons, they changed the bylaws of the family foundation to say that in perpetuity, they would always give that percentage to juvenile diabetes. How powerful is that? And I had no idea my crew was crying, I was crying, the man was crying. I learned a lesson, big lesson, do pre-production interviewing to understand every aspect of a secret or a, you know, unfound treasure, like you just told, of knowledge that they have that they've never shared before. And when I asked him, how come nobody knows? He says, nobody's ever
1: asked me. Yeah. No, I mean, it's it's incredible. It's incredible what comes out um, in story when sometimes you least expect it. And I have to admit, I cringe because, you know, when my dad was getting up in years, I begged, I pleaded, I said, please, please do this. And the response I got was, I'm not that interesting. Like, I don't have that much to share. But yet I would sit around the dinner table and I would hear these miraculous stories come out of his mouth or my mother's mouth for that matter. And I would just sort of look at them quizzically thinking, how do you not see that this is so fascinating to me, to my siblings, to our kids, to the kids that are yet to be born. And I think the, the real lesson I've learned is that it's never too late. I still I still beg my mom um, to to share more of her stories, and I will sheepishly admit I've recorded her on more than one occasion when she hasn't been aware, um, because I know that I want my kids when they're a little bit older to appreciate the incredible life that she's lived and my dad lived.
0: Wow, that's a great inspirational story, Kirby. I really. I know your heart's in the right place. That's that's fantastic. And don't worry if you do it secretly. One day you could just surprise her and tell her that you've done it secretly. And I think deep down she'll be relieved because she won't have done the whole camera thing, maybe, and been nervous about being she just did it naturally with you and didn't didn't know. So sometimes, you know, sometimes I don't tell the client I've pressed record already and they're just yakking away. It's those are the best moments. They're really. You know, but, but part of our skill is to get them to be authentic on camera from the moment one and and that's what you know I've been told.
1: Well, Iris, you provide a tremendous gift for individuals who probably don't even necessarily want it for themselves as much as they know there's something important to share with others. I hope more families um, will find you and and discover the power of creating an ethical will and capturing some of these milestones and important stories. And let's face it, we are unlocking past successes, failures, and major life events that likely transfer a lot of important values and knowledge and experience to future generations. And, And at the end of the day, we need that continuity. We need to honor that heritage. We need to celebrate where we come from. And I can't think of any better way than to do it with an ethical will or a legacy video or something like that you create.
0: Mm -hmm. If I could just say, if you've ever seen the article in Esquire magazine a number of years ago, an interview of Robert De Niro, which was kind of an ethical will interview, they were looking at his regrets in his life. And he said that his biggest regret in his life was not recording his mom and dad before they passed about their journey from Italy to New York and that immigrant story. And he said he he it's one it's his biggest regret. He lives every day, especially because he had the access to film crews and cameras and producers. He could have done it in a second and he never got it for his kids. He knew the story in his heart, but he wanted his parents to tell it and didn't do it Biggest regret. So there's something to be said. Robert De Niro had has, you know, a lot of influence out there and and still couldn't make it happen. So people shouldn't yeah. wait. People should not wait also, especially in our times now with COVID-19 the way it is. You just never know.
1: Yeah, well, I agree. And honestly, that's the other thing I love about how your practice has transformed. I mean, you're helping people real time right now do this. Um, sign up with with um, Iris, because you, you can work through virtually and capture this and kind of be your own production, filmmaker, all yourself with all the great technology we have at our fingertips today. And so I would really encourage people to take a look at memoirs productions, see what work Iris is championing and how it might open some secrets, unlock some doors to your family, your past, um, and really just help bring you closer together. Because ultimately, that is what's so powerful. An experience like this is foundational family building. I mean, we can't do much deeper work um, that can help align families, get them on the same page and quite honestly heal a lot of wounds potentially um, that maybe you don't even know are there. And again, I, I can't thank you enough Iris for being with us today on the Tamron Learning Podcast where we wanna showcase and work with and highlight the great work that our peers are doing in the space. Um, So we'll hope, hopefully you'll come back and share more. Oh, I can. I have lots of things to help people learn
0: how, what the transformation is through the process that we use. I have lots of more stories to share about that. So I'd be glad to come back if you'd like. Love to. Okay. Thank you so much, Iris. Thank you, Kirby. And keep up the fabulous educational work for this wonderful, wonderful group that you serve. It's, I'm They're lucky to have you.